0: Back to the lab with your host, Brad Bolt. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brad Bolt Show. I am your host, Brad Bolt, riding this one solo this week. Dan and John weren't available for this, so this is just going to mainly focus on probably just a little bit more of Carolina Panthers talk than normal, a quick preview of the games coming up this week, and we'll start off with a little bit of NBA chat for what's happening this week. So... As always, guys, if you want to get in contact at Bradbot one at NFL Lab Network, there are a lot more podcasts coming on the Lab Network and we will have some great stuff coming for you soon. But to start off with, just a little bit of NBA chat. The in-season tournament games happened. Some of them started today. Cool designs on the courts. If anyone, obviously, you saw them. He had the full-colour courts with a little bit of new designs and everything. It wasn't the best aesthetically pleasing in some of these games. It was pretty hard to see the bowl in some of it. But I like the idea of trying something different to really signify how different this one was in comparison to your other games throughout the year. But the early takeaways so far from in this season – Denver looks really good again. Uh, Jokic is Jokic; he's playing phenomenal. Jamal Murray is he's he's got he's had the full off season. He's coming back. He's ready to roll. He's playing well. Michael Porter Jr. is playing his part. The big, obviously, question on the Nuggets this year was losing guys like Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. You've got Christian Brown, who's there, who played well last year. But it was a big loss, but so far early on in the season hasn't, hasn't really seemed to be too, uh, I guess you could say, too difficult for them, too, too much of a weak spot so far. But we are early on into the season, so we'll have to wait and see what happens once the season rolls on. I'd be curious to see if they become a player at the trade deadline, maybe for some bench help if they need it, buy our market if there's anyone around. But yeah, Denver's looking great so far. Everyone, of course, is talking about the absolute alien freak who is Victor Wenbenyama. Wemby has been it, it, it like his game yesterday against the, well, it could be two days ago now by the time you guys hear this, but his game against the Suns, just I was watching that. It was a complete war in what he was doing in some of these, some of these moments. He just, I know we sort of feel like, you know, we we have, we have get these unicorn of guys every once in a while. We've seen it. Kevin Durant was a bit like that. Porzingis, when he came in, you know, the, these guys who you don't think they should be able to do what they do. And like I, I can't really remember seeing anyone who had, or well, I haven't seen anyone who's had this type of length at 7'3". But this athleticism, this handle, I haven't seen anything like that. It's it's pretty insane what he has been able to do. The Spurs, obviously, they're a team who young, up and coming. They they're going to have some really down periods this year, but to to get Wembenyama these these sort of reps, you know, it's it's only going to do him well. I think the best part is that he clearly doesn't like losing. And you can see he looks pissed off in these games when they do lose or they're down. Like, you can tell he's not accustomed to this. So this just seems like one of those ones where he will do everything he possibly can to try and pick the Spurs back up to that Tim Duncan era type of thing. Like, he's he's mentioned, you know, that when you think of the Spurs, you think of all the championships being what... He was able to see with with Tony Parker there and Manu Ginobili, et cetera, he wants to carry on that legacy. But uh, the other, actually to me, I think the most impressive team that I've been watching so far has actually been the Boston Celtics. A lot of people won't like that, but that defensive backcourt with Derek Wyatt and Drew Holiday, it's, it's just insane how well they can play. Like, Derek White looks like a different player this year now that he's going to be the starter, that he is going to be out there in crunch time. He doesn't have that, you know, that he, he doesn't so far in this, he doesn't have that, you know, scared nature of going, oh, I don't want to make a mistake because this could happen, whatever. He doesn't look like he's got that so far. And it's just, if you're a guard playing in this league against the Celtics, you just got, you're going to have a tough time when you come up because you think, okay, I've got Drew Holiday guarding me, one of the best defenders in the NBA. Then if he needs a break, okay, I've got Derek Wyatt who is playing phenomenal this year and he's one of the better guards defensively in the NBA. And then you look behind him. Yeah, Jalen Brown's not an elite defender, but Jason Tatum is improving on, on his defense Porzingis is a really good help defender and then you've got guys like our Hawford coming off the bench they they also sort of feel like maybe they're a, a piece short on the bench like but anything can happen with these guys. Uh, I've also really enjoyed watching uh, Oklahoma City. It's not an Aussie bias with Josh Giddy, it's actually Shay Gilders Alexander. I've absolutely loved watching him play. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. If you're watching anything of Oklahoma City this year, you'll have a great time watching them just because of what Shay Gilders can do. He has just been elite. And adding Chet Holmgren into the team this year has given them another dimension. Jay, you got Jalen Williams, J Dub. Uh, Josh Giddy as mentioned, but like Lou Dole has played really well this year. Like they're, they're going to surprise some teams this year, surprise some people who may not necessarily have been paying attention too much to what they have. And they've got so many trade assets that if they're looking to make a move at the trade deadline, they've got so many draft picks that they could really make a splash if there it does become a big free agent or well not free agent, but a big, big name player, big name star who might become available. They've got so much draft capital to throw at everyone that they do have the potential to have a big, big chance at making a push this year and becoming on that upper echelon of teams. So there have been a fair few teams I have. I don't mind watching. I've, uh, they, they haven't been the best team, but I don't mind watching Brooklyn play. I just like some of their pieces they have. Philly, now that the James Harden trade has happened that side, I'm curious to see how they play this moving forward with this bench that they've got. I actually sort of like the... the. I mean, it's it's really hard to know what James Harden's actually worth in terms of a trade and whether this has been a win for Philly or for the Clippers, the only time will tell, but I don't mind what they've done. They've really rounded out that bench by being able to add in guys like Marks Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batoom. You've got these guys who can, who can, who've been, you've, they've been around, like they've been, whether they've been championship caliber players, I don't know if you could say that, but they've, they've, played at a level that can contribute to team who's trying to push for a championship. Not saying Philly will this year, but they're, they're definitely, I feel like in a better spot after, yes, you lose James Harden, but you've sort of added to that depth of your team and now you do actually have available assets, which they have also mentioned. They've been in the sweepstakes, maybe potentially if Zach Levine comes up this year, you know, Pascal Siakam, who knows what's going to happen with Toronto, how they're doing, but Philly do have those assets as well. So I haven't watched every team. There are some guys who I like tuning and watching, watched a little bit of Indiana today, quite like what they're doing, but yeah, we will wait and see. We'll check back in as the season goes on week by week. We might do a little bit of an NBA breakdown with some things that we've liked, what we haven't liked, but Yeah, that's what that's my NBA thoughts so far. So nothing, nothing too outrageous, but that's what I have seen so far. So we'll move on to the Carolina Panthers last week getting their first win of the season against the Houston Texans 15 to 13 with a field goal as time expired after about five attempts. It felt like for Eddie Pinheiro, where the Texans kept trying to jump the snap and uh causing some penalties which kept moving the team with the panthers closer and closer but overall 15 to 13 uh positives out of this it felt like that was Bryce his best game he was 22 of 31 for 235 yards one touchdown that one touchdown went to tommy Tremble his oh uh his, he had two catches for four yards but the other positives coming out of that uh, well, we'll start with the receiver. So, once again, Adam Thielen, ever reliable, Mr. Consistent, eight catches, 72 yards, was the guy that Bryce went to on that very important fourth down on that last drive. He was the one who kept them in that. He's just, he's become Bryce's number one target. Yes, ideally, you'd probably love to have a guy like a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase, but they don't just fall out of a tree anymore being able to have a a wily veteran in Adam Thielen who has played really well so far has opened a lot of people's eyes as many would have mentioned there was thoughts that maybe he had he was completely washed up he was this was just a you know the last paycheck so to speak and that by the end of the year the Panthers fans would have either well, the Panthers team might have actually had him moved out of town or traded away by them, but he has become a very important part to this Panthers offense. He's the guy that Bryce looks to straight away. He, he's his security blanket. You know, I, I was sort of thinking at the start of the year, that might've been like a Hayden Hurst in that role as well. We would have been between those two, but it's clearly just Adam Thielen. He's looking for him as much as possible on those in-breaking routes, just whenever it's a tight situation, that's who he looks for. Other really positive in the receivers, Jonathan Mingo had his, by far, his best game. Four catches, 62 yards. He, I feel like now, is going to develop into into a really good receiver. He was second rookie second-round pick by the Panthers in the last draft out of Ole Miss. Very... Very A.J. Brown, DK Metcalf early days type of receiver in the sense of that's who just physically he sort of plays like. He, he didn't necessarily have the the biggest route tree coming out of college, but I, I really like what I've seen from Mingo. Uh, he is out there. I think at the moment the, the best three-receiver set really is Phelan, Mingo, and DJ Chark. Uh, Terrace Marshall's being you know put in here and there, but I'm, I'm not sure what's happening. He obviously was trying to see about getting a trade at the trade deadline. team has welcomed him back with open arms obviously but uh, he, he was he was a guy I had a lot of hopes for coming out Terrace Marshall, but Jonathan Mingo is actually turning into that guy who a lot of panther fans thought that. Terrace Marshall was going to turn into. So uh, really happy with what he has produced so far this season. He's just getting better and better. And the play calling seemed a lot crisper with Thomas Brown running it. So he took over this week or during the bye week from Frank Reich. Frank was saying that he is happy with how that's worked out because he can now focus a bit more on game management and more of the head coaching stuff. He doesn't have to call the plays. So and and it seemed like it like Bryce did seem a bit more not that he's never been composed, but you know he just seemed to just enjoy the the different aspect of the the play calling that was coming through from Thomas Brown. So it'll be interesting to see what um what comes this week which we'll get to soon. But the other guy was Tuba Hubbard, who took over as the starting running back ahead of Miles Sanders. So Miles Sanders had two carries for zero yards last week, whereas Tuba Hubbard, look, none of of the running backs, none of the running was efficient last week. Tuba Hubbard had 15 carries for 28 yards, but he also had two catches for 26 yards. He was very important on that last drive as well. He got the ball a few times passes. He got the crucial uh, third down carry where it was third and two, I think it was uh, to keep that drive going, to be able to run that clock down to get the field goal with no time left on the clock. Tuber looks like he's going to be starting moving forward because he just has looked better this year than what Miles Sanders had and Miles has even admitted that he's played pretty crap this year and he's not ha- happy with how he's Uh, play has been, so Tuba looks like he'll be the guy, Miles will get uh, rotated in through, along with a little bit of Raheem Blackshear, but you know, we shall see moving forward, but overall the offence played pretty well, Is still not what you know, we would be hoping for as Panthers fans in terms of what you're wanting to see, you're hoping that it would be you know, ideally, everyone would like to have the offensive and put up the numbers that the Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins of the world's are putting up, but there's only a few teams who are doing that. So this, but as I said, this was by far and away Bryce's best game. Uh, he, I mean, it depends on what you think. A lot of people still thought, you know, CJ Stroud should have gone number one as opposed to Bryce you know it, it's no point debating that at all because the what CJ Stroud has done this year has been fantastic but it's really hard to be able to say that if CJ was dropped into this situation a, in Carolina he'd be putting up those type of numbers that he had been in Houston so but in this game Bryce outplayed CJ Stroud CJ was 16 of 24 for 140 yards and he also had two rushes for 13 yards and a touchdown so it wasn't his best game and what he's been able to do so far this season. But a lot of that was down to how the defense played as well. So you had Brian Burns had one sack. You also had Frankie Louvu who had a sack. Frankie played probably his best game of the season as well. He seemed to be everywhere. He had, uh, you know, he had the sack like I mentioned, but he just seemed to be all over the place. Xavier Woods was, you know, out there making some tackles. Dante, CJ, Dante Jackson, CJ Henderson were there. Uh, Like I said, Brian Burns had a sack, but he is dealing with an injury with that uh, hyper-extended elbow, which has limited some of his movements and things. But he has, I would say, he's, I, I, look, I think he's played really well this year. It's really difficult. He's obviously wanting a contract. I think Carolina probably missed a trick in trying to sign him earlier before the Bosa deal got done in terms of paying him what he was sort of looking for. I think they may have messed up there. But Brian Burns is one of the better edge rushers in the NFL. Yes, you've still got guys in front who are your Max Crosby's of the world, your Nick Bosa's. You know those, those sorts of guys. You've got them in front, but Brian Burns is just everywhere, all the time. He, yes, he's had a couple of quiet games here and there, but I would rather have Brian Burns on my team than not have him. He just a defenses have to account for him. Like there was a clip that I saw from back in the Atlanta game where the the whole it was in the second half, so he. Obviously, he yeah, had two sacks in the first half against Atlanta, and there was a play where it was near a goal line, near the goal line, and he's on the edge, and the whole he burst through the line, but the running back had scored by that stage because the whole defense got washed, the defensive line got washed down to Brian Burns's end, and like it's more like. There's only so much you can do when you're the only person at times who seems to be getting any penetration, any get-off-the-line, causing some chaos. It hasn't been there consistently from everyone on the team this year, and that that hurts. Like, you saw a couple of seasons ago, one of his best seasons, like, yes, last year was probably his best season statistic-wise, but the season before, he had Hassan Redick on the other side. And you saw what he was able to do when he had another really good edge on the other side, who was wreaking havoc as well. And you could just see how that freed him up and was able to let him rush at the quarterback without getting these double teams. He's constantly double teamed everywhere. And Arthur Smith admitted after that Atlanta game, he caused so much havoc in that first half that Atlanta had to change their offense and how they protected The quarterback by keeping by either sliding two offensive linemen towards him, having a tight end in there to either block or to chip on the block or receive. Like they, Atlanta had to change their offensive game plan because what Brian Burns was able to do. So overall, it was a pretty decent um, win by the team. Yes, it wasn't the highest scoring 15 to 13, as we mentioned, but you just had everyone playing their role, they were able to restrict the passing game of CJ Stroud, who has been pretty pretty damn good this year. So then we move on to the rest of the season. And the, the thing that everyone will say is, yeah, usually at this time of year, if you were the Panthers any other year, you were 1-6. Sometimes people would try and shut down the season from there tank for the number one pick or just, you know, Brian Burns has this hyper extended elbow, just keep him out for the couple of weeks to let him heal. But the big difference is when you don't have your first round draft pick, it doesn't, why, why, like there's nothing to, there's nothing to play for. So in that sense, like you, you don't want to lose and end up as a two and 15, three and 14 type of team. Like you want to try and win as many games as possible. Because you've got you've got no first round pick, so you're not you're not missing out. Uh, or you, well, you're missing out on one of these talents, even if you really wanted it. So, yes, a lot of people say that Carolina, you've got a couple issues. Offensive line potentially, yes, you've got uh, Iki Okonu, who hasn't played up to his best potential, but Brady Christensen's been gone. Austin awesome Corbett's just got back, so feels like a bit of a revolving door in that offensive line. So you could draft there, you could be after another receiver at the end of the year, whether you move, whether they decide to move on from Terrace Marshall or DJ Chark or whoever there's that. You could always do with more edge rushes, especially if you're able to hit on one who turns out to be like a Brian Burns type of guy, or just someone who can be constantly wreaking havoc in the pocket and making making problems for everyone else. But then you've also got cornerback who you might need. So JC Horn, when he plays, can be a really good cornerback. But the problem is he's been injured a fair bit in his career so far. So Carolina fans haven't been able to see the best of JC Horn because he has been injured. So they're looking into that, obviously, to try and bolster that secondary. With They've had some injuries uh, they've just claimed off of waivers David Long Jr. to try and help as a corner as well. So we'll just have to wait and see with obviously guys like Von Bell who's been out injured, Jeremy Chins on the IR who was playing, you know, nickel corner. You, you need to try and get as many healthy people as possible. So all that's to say is that Caroline, other years, other teams would try and tank for that number one pick to try and get as much um, talent in the room as possible. But without the ability to do that this year, because you don't have a first round pick, you don't really want to be tanking for 33, the first pick of the second round. That's not really going to help you as much. So Carolina will need to do their best to keep winning this year. And I think you will see that. So that's enough about them for now. So just moving on to the week nine game. So we saw the Steelers on Thursday night football take care of the Titans and win that game. But not a lot for me that I'm going to take too much out of that game, except Will Levis has looked pretty decent these last couple of weeks for Tennessee. So it remains to be seen if it's just a couple of early games, but we'll wait and see how he goes through the rest of the year. So the game of the week is the first one here. So that's actually in Germany. It's the Miami Dolphins versus the Kansas City Chiefs, both teams six and two. It's going to be really interesting because Miami has been able to beat up on the teams that they need to beat up on, and they've lost the games when they've played some quality teams. So I will be curious to see what happens with that game here. I would like to think that now with the addition of Jalen Ramsey that's going to coming back in the team that's going to cause more issues for the Chiefs so I think that the Dolphins will get over the line in this one so uh, yeah I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way I think it's going to be quite close but I think the Dolphins might get over the line here in Germany with that one Next game here is the Minnesota Vikings versus the Atlanta Falcons. Now, if this was a week ago, I would have said that the Vikings, I think, would win this pretty – well, I can't say pretty comfortably, but I would have been pretty confident in the Vikings winning this. This week, however, I'm not so sure. Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles last week, so he is out and – The Vikings made a trade at the trade deadline for Josh Dobbs, who will not be starting this week. It'll be rookie Jaron Hall out of BYU. No Justin Jefferson still. It's hard to know what to think of this Vikings team with Jaron Hall because we just haven't seen him in the pros. We've seen him in college, but it's another massive step up. And Atlanta, I don't know what we're getting out of Atlanta because Desmond Ritter has been benched for Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke's played in some big games when he was at Washington. I think in this one, I will probably go Atlanta in this just because I don't know what you're getting out of this Vikings team. I don't know what Jaron Hall's going to be in the NFL. I slightly feel like I know a little bit more about what Taylor Heineke might be, but yeah, this, this game is pretty difficult to choose just because of the uncertainties. But yes, I'm going to go to Falcons in this game. Next one is going to be a really good game too. It's the 5-2 and two Seahawks at the 6-2 and two Baltimore Ravens. Another game where I can see either team winning. Now, I could either see it being close or I it honestly wouldn't shock me if it's there's a massive blowout either way. The Seahawks did make a trade at the deadline for Leonard Williams from the Giants to try and help bolster that defence, which, as we've mentioned in the previous couple of weeks, big fans of the, the secondary on this team. So to have a guy in the middle there who can... Maybe wreak a little bit of havoc and just try and get that bit more of a push to try and help out these guys. I think was a good trade for the Seahawks in the end. It's just going to be, obviously, what sort of impact is he going to have on this Seahawks defense? Then at the same time, you look at Baltimore and Lamar has played really well this year. I still don't know what this Ravens team is and maybe that's just a blind spot for me, this team. I, I haven't watched a lot of the Ravens live. I've gone back and seen bits and pieces afterwards and seen what I can, but I, I personally still can't quite get a, a good read on this team. Like they're a really quality team, and you can see that in their record, 6-2, and two, one of the better ones in the NFL. But it's just to me like the other years with the Baltimore team, you knew, okay, they're going to run the ball, They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play great defense. This team, I'm not sure what their identity is outside of Lamar yet, if that makes sense. Like, it's really hard to try and explain what I'm trying to get get my head around. Like I said, this could just be because I've got a bit of a blind spot for the Ravens. But personally, I don't know what the team's identity is just yet. But I'm interested to see because they're clearly a quality team. So I think at home, the Ravens get on the board here and move to seven and three. Next game, Cardinals at the Browns. Cardinals are starting rookie Clayton Tune against the best defense in the league, in the Browns. I think Deshaun Watson's playing this week, but, you know, he could be a game-time decision. He could have a problem with his shoulder. I think the Browns are going to win this just based off of their defense. And yeah, I think who knows? Who knows who's playing quarterback? Who knows how this team's gonna go, but that Browns defense just seem like it's going to be good enough that they can carry this team and get them across the line. Next game is the three and five Rams at the two and five Packers. See, this is difficult because I don't know if Matthew Stafford's playing quarterback and Stetson Bennett was the backup quarterback. He's been away from the team and probably isn't coming back for the rest of the season. So they've they've signed a quarterback dresser win uh, to the practice squad. I have no idea about this Rams team. This Packers team started out really well They seem to go on downhill every week. Jordan Love has probably got worse every week. John and I mentioned this last week. I feel like if Stafford plays, the Rams win. But I am going to go the Packers at home just just because I I don't know. I don't know about the Rams. I don't know. They, They should win, but it's really hard to really hard to be confident in any of these so yeah so I, i'm gonna to go to the packers they're at home but i don't think it's gonna be a blowout or a highly scoring game close game and ran and the rams lose just based off the fact that it's in green bay so next game here we'll breeze through a couple of these bucks at the texans Uh, I'm going to probably go here. Texans get the win at home against the Bucs. CJ Stroud, I think, is going to have a bit of of a bounce-back game. Baker Mayfield with this Buccaneers team is pretty plucky, but I really like the Texans this year in just how they've improved. And, yeah, I'm going to give them the slight edge in this one here next game the commanders at the Patriots look other years I would have said confidently the Patriots I'm not so sure now and problem is I don't know what we're getting from this Washington team who've traded away their two best defensive ends in Montez sweat chase young at the trade deadline if Sam how plays like he did against the Eagles you would think it's Washington I, I really don't know As a toss up, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say it's the the Patriots at home, just because I don't have any analysis. I'm really not sure. But yeah, Patriots at home, just because it's a bit of a toss up. And I think it's going to notice the big difference of losing those two defensive ends for the commanders. So next game is the Bears at the Saints. I think the Saints will win this one. I'm not sure whether Fields is playing. Tyson Bagent might be starting again. I think the Saints have just got too much talent to beat the Bears. Next game is then then the Indianapolis Colts are at Carolina against the Panthers. I went against the Panthers last week, and as soon as we got off, I regretted saying that straight away. I think the Panthers actually can get the win on this, this one. Uh, the defence hasn't hasn't been the best this season. The offence hasn't been great either. I think they've turned a bit of a corner now. So I think they, the Panthers get their second win on the season and the Colts go down here. Uh, next game is the New York Giants versus the Las Vegas Raiders, who fired Josh McDaniels during the week and GM Dave Ziegler as well. I think Daniel Jones is starting for the Giants. Uh, it's either him or it's Tommy DeVito. Yeah, that's... Uh, and the Raiders have already said they're starting rookie Hayden O'Connell. So I am going to go to the Raiders here as part of a culture turnaround with Antonio Pierce taking over as the interim head coach. The firing of Josh McDaniels. You know, that reinvigorates the locker room and the Raiders come out on top is my thought. Last Sunday afternoon game, Monday morning for us in Australia, is this could be the game of the week here. Actually, there's a couple of games of the week here. This, again, this is a really good one. Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to go Eagles here because it's in Philly, but that Dallas Cowboys defense is no joke. They've got some really quality players here. I just think the Eagles just have that little bit more talent on their side. And one of the things that, you know, after the game last week, Jerry Jones has said, you know, he doesn't want to go out and poke the bear. And Dak Prescott said that he wants to. So look, I don't think when you're playing a team like Philly, I know it's, you know, Philly, Dallas, the rivalry, et cetera. I'm not sure if you actually go out and uh, you know poke the opposition in these games, but yeah, I think I think Philly gets the win just because of that home, and I do think they've just got that little bit more talent on the t- on the team. And yeah, I think the Eagles will move to eight and one this week. Sunday night football is a Really good game again. It's the Buffalo Bills at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals feel like they've got the Bills work out after the last couple of years. So obviously last year we had the uh, the very sad game in the the Demar Hamlin game, which obviously we're, we're very grateful how he's now coming along. And you know I, I'm not sure if it. I don't think he'll be playing. He's been inactive most of the games this season so far, but he having him having him back in the same place where that horrific game happened last year that's gotta have some sort of impact on all the players involved and all the fans who were there on who are they gonna be there this week. It's just gonna put a weird atmosphere on that side of things. But overall analysis, I think the Bengals just they they seem to play the Bills really well. And they seem to play the Kansas City Chiefs really well. So, yeah, I think, too, after the Bills lost uh, Matt Milano this year, their their defence hasn't quite been the same. And I think the Bengals get the win here on Sunday night. Monday night football, we have the Chargers at the Jets. This is another hard one because you, you would think, if you just said it's Justin Herbert versus Zach Wilson, you would say, Justin Herbert within a heartbeat. The Chargers have a history of just losing really weird games against teams they shouldn't lose. They beat teams sometimes that they shouldn't. They they should be better than they have been. Uh, but the big denominator on all this, this Jets defense is incredible. They're so good, this Jets defense. As a lot of people said, John and I went through it last week. Maybe I think the Jets maybe have one or two more wins on their record compared to what they have now if they have an Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, this is hard. I would say the Chargers just get over the line here, but it's really hard to tell because this Jets team is really weird. Uh, Sorry, this Chargers team is really weird. It's really hard to know what they are going to produce from week to week. But, yeah, I am going to say that it is a Chargers win over the Jets. And they push themselves back into the national media attention of, you know, is this team going to make a deep playoff run? Who knows? So that's our games for this week, guys. Uh, yeah, sorry, this may have gone a little bit longer than I first originally thought. But, you know, it's there's some really good games of football coming up. And this is getting to that time of season where you're going to start seeing the playoff teams separate themselves from the non-playoff teams. There's still a lot of a lot of interesting games and developments that are coming up this year, So I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. If you want to get in touch with myself, you can find me on Twitter at BradBoltOne. One. You can find us at NFL Lab Network on Twitter as well. We'll have some some news coming out soon, which will be great. We'll keep up with the NBA talk, we'll keep up with the football talk hopefully next week we'll have either john dan or someone else that we can have on that we can go through a bunch of these games but i want to thank you for tuning in and until next time see you later guys welcome back to the land back to the lab. welcome back to the land back to the land